Hey, it's Mitch. You're listening to Deep Focus. Yes, it's part two of two of two. We do not have a third part on this one. It's uh, dates October 21st of 2013, and it is the Ronald Shannon Jackson Memorial Broadcast. Eric Person and Roger Kramer with me. Um, and uh, <laughs> if you listen to part one, if you didn't, you really should. But if you did, there. Uh, Roger was right in the middle of a story, which unfortunately there's a chunk of this show that's missing. If you recorded this program, if you happen to be listening on October 21st, 2013, and you have that recording, please do get in touch with me. You can find me, um, you can find me through, um, the hosting site for Deep Focus, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. Dot com. You could leave a comment there. You could find us on Instagram, which where we're deep underscore focus underscore podcast, deep focus podcast on Instagram. Great way to uh, stay on top of things with us. But um, in any case, the story that Roger was telling, which we don't have the rest of him telling, I happen to remember the rest of the story. And actually, it's one that I heard many times was that the promoter of this show in Kansas City was unable to pay the amount of money that was due and <laughs> Shannon was not one to walk away from a financial obligation that someone else owed to him and uh, so they this guy signed his car over it was a Honda as I recall Shannon drove that thing for years and um, well, I guess it was considered an equitable arrangement by all involved but uh yeah, it's kind of how things were in the early 80s in the music biz. It was, uh, could have gotten a little tense, but luckily they worked things out. Okay, so here's the rest of the program. It jumps ahead a little bit later. Roger's in the middle of uh, telling a story about um, the, uh, well, this tour in Europe. You'll hear the essence of it. And we'll hear the balance of this great just repartee with uh, Eric and Roger Kramer and me talking about, uh, you know, a dear friend, a mentor, a source of terror and signs and wonders at different times. It's a, it's a rich one, I think. Okay. Uh, I hope you dig it. At the end of it, I'm going to put the balance of that show from Grant Park in Chicago in 19, possibly 82 or 83. It's one of the two. I think it's 82. It's listed as 83. In any case, it is one of, if not the best live expressions known of this group. It's a monster. And All right, we were playing enjoy. a show in Bern, Switzerland, hmm. where we had a day off, and the agent calls and says, there was a show in peace Oh man, this is such a good story. It's all coming back. Such a good story. We have a there's we have a show in Pisa the next night okay. playing a fair for the Communist Party of Italy. And it paid whatever, you know, five thousand dollars each time. Like, okay, you know, we're gonna go do that. Yeah. So and then we had to be back in two days to for a show in Zurich. So it's quite a schlep to go from Bern to Pisa and back by train. Hmm. 
Yeah. So the train we got, we eventually got on the train. We rode all night. Local train in Italy stops at every stop, and little ladies in black dresses, you know, old ladies gun It's like you know, every single little stop, and. A lot of the ride, the train was packed, so we were standing. Hmm. And Melvin had put his base in the bathroom of the train because that was the only place. There was no room in the overhead rack. We're standing up. Melvin's base is in the bathroom. Hmm. Um, we get to riding, 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 stop, stop, stop. And finally, and I'm just looking out for Pisa. I want to know where Pisa is. Pisa. Pizza. You're going to love this. <laughs> so when we get there and I look at it and I say, all right, everyone, get ready. We're getting off the train. We're in Pisa. And Shannon looks at the sign and he goes, no, man, we're looking for a place with the two Zs in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So I stop and people stop. They're like, no, man, get off now. <laughs> so everyone starts getting off the train. The bathroom door is locked. Oh, God. The base is in the bathroom. So we're getting off the train and we're pounding on the door. And my memory, you know, memories are really, this is a long time ago. Yeah. My memory is someone sticking the base out the window of the bathroom so we can retrieve it. Wow. Wow. To get to the show in Pisa. We got to the gig five hours late. Oh, my God. <laughs> five hours late. We go to play the show. Um get on stage i go to get paid in lira, lira so right. that's like what f- five, five million, million lira <laughs> uh, yeah something well, like yeah, that well, right? it wasn't like a lira it wasn't 2000, a lira a thousand two, or something yeah, like that thousand two thousand so so they're counting out like these worn out lira oh. bills i'm stacking 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 money to get paid they started playing it. Usually we get the money before some whack gig. You get the money before you get on stage. Of course. But they had to play. It was five hours late. There was like no one in this room. It was like an airplane hangar. It was oh, like man. six people in there. And we didn't care. We just needed the money. We went all the way there and we get the money and come back. <laughs> right. And playing the gig. And I finally get all this lira, all this money in a bag. <laughs> and I'm walking down the the middle aisle towards the stage. I was also mixing sound in most of these shows, so I don't know what was going on with the sound. I was too busy getting paid. Shannon stops. He goes, Roger, did you get the money? <laughs> he, that was it. That was it. And I'm like, it. hold up the bag. Yeah, I got the money. <laughs> that Shannon. <laughs> he goes and plays. <laughs> never lost sight of that. You know, I remember I that feeling, that same thing. And I'd be like, this is fun. Oh, uh, we're, yeah, we're in we're in uh, Paris. I want to go to this museum, and we're got this is fun. Yeah, Eric, let's go out. We're gonna eat some uh, some this. I found this cool cafe. Where, you know, like you're thinking about all these oh, the music. Oh, you know, these people met these really cool people. Thinking about all these other things, Shannon never let me forget why we were there, <laughs> and uh, you know, got to get the money. Got to get the money. I remember one time we were coming back from uh, London, and we're in Heathrow, which is this huge, sprawling airport, you know, multiple different, uh, what do you call it? Terminals. Terminals and everything. And I went to to buy something as we were getting on the plane, and I'm (laughs) coming back looking for where the plane is, and it's like boarding. It's really late. Everybody's gotten on the plane except one person, Shannon, standing there waiting for me as if like if i was going to run with the money 
he was going to catch me. <laughs> he didn't say anything. He's like, you ready to get on the plane? I'm like, yeah, let's get on the plane. <laughs> But, yeah. You know the immortal <laughs> words of um, Peter Frampton's manager, D. Anthony, hmm. said the three most important things in management. Mm-hmm. First, get the money. Mm-hmm. Second, get the money. Right. Third, get the money. <laughs> yeah. You get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. That's one of, one of the many lessons that we got from... Ronald Shannon Jackson, who no we're remembering tonight, and uh, this is a memorial broadcast. I'm Mitch Goldman with Eric Person, Roger Kramer. I think we should play some music. Let yeah. him hear some music. What are we going to hear? Eric, why don't you pick hmm. a favorite? <laughs> there are, we have a, an embarrassment of riches. Embarrassment of, of riches. Um, you know what? Let's play something like Yes. Yes. Let's try... Uh, couple from this maybe uh let's try a little you go boy and say what you will yes this is uh barbecue dog 1982 i want to say is that right i think it's 83 83 yep you're right and um oh you got pick two tracks right in the middle i got to figure out how to cue them up oh. you're making it complicated man that's okay you might have a CD of this. Would that help? Would it? <laughs> it sure would. <laughs> um, I don't know that we do, but we not in this do stack. not in that stack. That's okay. Not a problem. But maybe you can entertain the folks while I work on this. Uh, you could tell them about on, this album. Oh, yeah. Who's Shan- on the album, Eric? Well, <laughs> I guess that's Shannon with a mask on, right? It's not, actually. Oh. It's a model. It's a model. But, the, but it's interesting that the album art was done by the great, late great yes. Eiko Ishioka. Yes. Okay. Designed the covers for Barbecue Dog and Mandance. Hmm. And she is a, I believe, an Academy Award winner also for her costumes. Wow. Yeah. She was a astoundingly it's, talented designer. Yeah. And, and she was not widely known when this was done. Her, she came to some fame in the art world after this. I mean, this is a striking I think cover. It was about the. She was, was. Pre- she was pretty well known, actually. Yeah. I don't know why well, she yeah. took this on, but she was inspired. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a pretty striking record. I mean, the the cover. Yes. And and Shannon said that they got a lot of, uh, or the label got a lot of um, complaints from animal lovers because of the name. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I remember asking him about that one time, and uh, he said. You know, I think from, it was the recipe for barbecue dog yeah, that really got people. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but uh, I asked him about that title, and he said um, he did have a story. I don't know if I can quite pull it up, but basically, you know, he said he's from Texas, barbecue. So barbecue what? Barbecue something. And he wanted to, you know, kind of give it a little poetic surprise. Barbecue, barbecue dog. But. Well, well, uh, I know Reverend Bruce Johnson was always talking about when they went to uh, on that Thailand uh, Far East tour. Uh-huh, right. He said that uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this was out before then, but he said something about they went into a restaurant and it was they saw something like hot dog and hot cat. <laughs> you know? so, that sounds like you know. Sounds maybe, like Bruce. I don't yeah, know. you know, hot dog and hot cat. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, we are. It's 
it's the Ronald Shannon Jackson Memorial Broadcast, something I, I never hoped I would be bringing to you, but I'm glad if we have to share this news that I've got Eric Person and Roger Kramer with me to do it. We There will be more dedicated Ronald Shannon Jackson programming on these airwaves, I tell you tonight. So watch this space for further information. We'll, we'll get it to you. Now you're going to have to make now I'm going to have to dig up my bootleg recording. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> you know, some Deep tapes. focus. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming your way. So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's have a little dish of barbecue dog. Yeah. On WKCR. Okay, give me a sec to uh, cue this up. Hang in there. Mystery at Dawn from Ronald Shannon Jackson. That song is another one. We could probably play a dozen or more songs that would, uh, I could say this about, would probably surprise a lot of people who might have a preconceived idea of what Ronald Shannon Jackson's music was like. But that was very much a part of it. In fact, I'll say something that will surprise my guests in the studio tonight. But let me back out for a second and tell you that this is, I'm sad to say, the Ronald Shannon Jackson Memorial Broadcast. He died on Saturday at the age of 73 after a valiant fight with leukemia, which uh, he had had since January, and he'd fought it off, and it came back and uh, took him out very quickly. And, uh, and he kept... Oh, sorry about that. Yes. He, he kept it really, really quiet till the very end. He yeah. was very concerned that, as word got out that he was ill, that the musician community might sh- shy away from him and engaging him and and working and hmm. thought you know he's sick so I'm gonna he's just wanted to play all he yeah. talked about when I was when I not all but but one of the main things he said when I was visiting him was I just want to go home I want to play my drums yeah he is also saying that when he was in the hospital that there was a room that had a piano oh yeah so he would go down to this room because he was there for about three three weeks yeah months yeah something like that and yeah. that he had a lot of time on his hands and when he could you know he was walking he would go and 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 play and yeah. held up the book of music where he'd written all this music that he'd he'd composed so if if the music isn't recorded um already that that can come out posthumously there's certainly a lot of guy never stopped oh god writing yeah. and thinking about music roger kramer Great friend and uh, certainly on a business level collaborator with Ronald Shannon Jackson for many years. Also in the studio tonight, Eric Person, who is an onstage collaborator, part of the Decoding Society for quite a number of years and on a bunch of the recordings that we've been playing. And uh, we just heard Mystery at Dawn from Barbecue Dog. And something I have to tell you guys, Shannon was a guest on this program many times with me and... If I asked him to request his songs, and I don't remember him ever playing anybody else's songs, but if I asked him to play his songs, he wouldn't play, you know, uh, some of the more up-tempo things that we love. Every song he would request pretty much would be Mystery at Dawn or uh, When Cherry Trees Bloom in Winter. Or those those ballad-type feeling songs were the ones that were seemed to be closest to his heart mm-hmm. as far as radio goes. He wrote a lot on the flute. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was... uh, He told me a bit about 
how that came to be. I think he told me that Ornette gave him the flute. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I just, I think I just read that. I think he just said that to me in the hospital last week. Okay. Oh, uh, I know where I saw that. It was on uh, Talk Guy had put put that, a poem or something that, a poem, quote unquote, that Shannon had mentioned. Yeah, he used to write these like free verse poems. Yeah, and he mentioned that Ornette told him to play flute. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he uh, he would talk about the time that he spent with Ornette Coleman, and uh, he was the when Ornette came out with primetime and went electric, as the saying goes. Shannon was the drummer, and he talk about the uh, time they spent. You were talking about the Decoding Society rehearsing. He said that that band that became primetime, mm. they went to Paris. That's all they did was play. That's all they did, mm. all day every day. Yeah. They lived, I think they lived in like a, a place together. One of the most intimidating moments I ever had with Shannon, my instrument when I was a musician was I was a flute and saxophone player. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I had stopped playing by the time I, long before, I, well, maybe a year or so before I moved to New York, and I just, mm-hmm. just said, this is not my path. I'm better off on the telephone. Uh-huh. <laughs> and eventually email and things like that than mm-hmm. I was as a musician, but being in the music building and Shannon's writing music and he has a flute there. He goes, well, you've played the flute here. Play this. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. It was, it, it was, it was for me, it was a personal disaster. <laughs> but you did it. Yeah, I really kind of begged off after a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm just not even remotely at that level of, of uh Sight reading really is really what sort of what it boiled down to at that point. If he's given it me and I could go home and I right. could sort of struggle my way through it, I could come back the next day and probably played it through, but not write that wasn't a good sight reader. It's <laughs> funny you say that because what comes to mind, you mentioned Don Cherry off mic, and Don is somebody who believed in his bones and lived every breath of his life that anyone could play music, everyone could play music, and for him, it was like breathing. And as far as he was concerned, for you, it was like breathing. And he did not accept the idea that anybody was you know, tone deaf or didn't know how or anything like that. It's just not not in the cards. Shannon, I don't believe, shared that belief. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I think, right? I mean... I don't. <laughs> oh, you don't share that belief? No. <laughs> Yeah, I don't share that belief. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's uh, he he definitely the bar was high. Yeah. The bar, the was, bar was super high, and and I just that I, I picked the, the right path if I was going to be involved in this at all. The path was to be doing the business. I wonder, Roger, if you had the same experience I had of really coming to feel that I had to bring to work in the phone that level of craft and dedication that he brought to what he was doing. I absolutely believe that now of, of what I do and, and how I work with with great artists. I think it's it's um, critical that, that, that I'm as on top of my game as, as my clients. It's just, there's just no getting around it. Yeah, yeah, he was, it was, it's uh, the influence that he had on all of our lives is just, uh, it's kind of endless. It's Absolutely. Like how we see things. You were talking about your experience and that first show in Michigan. 
that could have been, uh, I was saying he could have read my script that uh, Shannon came up to Binghamton my sophomore year of college, 1981. I was in school up there. And uh, there was a guy who was running the organization. Shortly after that, I ended up taking over this jazz concert organization. Um, Kenneth Hine was his name, and he, he brought the Decoding Society. It was September of 1981. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, we had a great, that was a great community for music up there. We had a huge crowd. We had uh, somewhere between four and 500 people for the Decoding Society, and it was Shannon. I'm trying, I'm gonna, I hope I don't mess this up now. Um, Melvin Gibbs and Bruce Johnson, the Rev, playing bass, both playing bass, Vernon Reed playing guitar, Mixa Sean, and Zane Massey, both playing saxophones, and uh, Yusuf Yancey. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. And um, Shannon, of course. And... Um, that one show, a, a lot of those people who were still at that show, have st- I, I, I think that changed the trajectory of many, many lives. That combined with a bunch of other things that happened around that time in that community of people. But I remember the feeling walking around this room, this big open room where this show was, and people kind of zombified and bumping into each other and the silly look on people's faces and realizing that we'd been decoded. (laughs) And it was, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, that was really, 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 really great music. It was like, this was an experience that was other, that nothing had prepared us for. I I think, in in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, so why is that? And, And maybe part of it was, been, having been a fan of really difficult avant-garde jazz, Albert Eiler and mm. Art Ensemble Chicago, and and these bands that were centered around acoustic instruments and you know wailing saxophones and music is somewhat off-putting for you know most people, and I think what Shannon was able to do sort of as a springboard from Ornette Coleman, and I think that. Having the electric guitar, especially Vernon, because Vernon was such an, such an, an incredible, incredible guitar player, that and electric basses, that Shannon was able to take the power and the passion of that music that was so visceral, and make it rock, and mm. and and allow it to communicate with a, a rock audience, as opposed to jazz fusion and mm-hmm. Return to Forever and the Malvision Orchestra, and that stuff was super exciting too, but th- that music was actually pretty straight and tonal. Mm-hmm. And Shannon brought that 60s free jazz tradition to the jazz rock fusion for a better, you know, mm-hmm. lack of a better way to describe it. And it, and it cut, and it was thrilling because it was so well, you know, live. It was just, you know, intense. It was. And, and, yeah, I mean, not to take anything away from any of the individuals and what they brought, but uh, it was particularly thrilling to hear... Vernon, who I don't think understood yet or saw the limits of his own ability, and to hear Shannon push him out beyond that, and for what would have been an excruciatingly uncomfortable place for a lot of people of lesser spiritual strength. I think, you know, Vernon just went on this 
incredible adventure and I, took everybody I've with him. I've seen him play shows, and I've seen Vernon Reed play maybe a thousand times <laughs> at this point, literally a thousand times. I'm, maybe more. I, it could be more. I have <laughs> no idea how many times I've seen him play. But I saw him play in ways with with Shannon that he yeah. never, ever, ever played ever again. Yeah. There's no, they just went to some place in the cosmos. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. And the band may lay out and Vernon and Shannon would just go to this place. Yep. 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 But, and, and there's, it's something even, I think there's some truth in what you're saying, describing what was unique about the decoding society, but I, there's something else that I, I don't know. I think it's maybe something. It's the matching jackets. Too. <laughs> don't forget the matching yes. jackets. Eric, Eric yeah. person, anything to say about wardrobe and uh, the decoding <laughs> society? Um, not too much because I mean you know Shannon he always had us wearing like either black or white and I would I would always try and wear something that I thought fit the music so I would get some kind of s- space kind of top you know uh-huh. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> it worked it worked yeah you know but he was he was he 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 wasn't strict with none of that stuff but he did try and keep us in black and white sometimes so. Mm-hmm. But he might have got away from that. I can't remember. Yeah, and that was, and that came later because earlier on there, yeah, there were there were other uh, dictums of uh, fashion on mm-hmm. the bandstand. Yeah, but I don't know if that came. I mean, it came directly from Shannon, but I think he had. Did he get some other input from somebody else about that, or was that something that you ever talked to him about that? I remember. I think Shannon and Vernon going shopping for Jack for like these little um, looked like little karate type tops for the band and handing them out to everybody. <laughs> Vernon was always, he always very had a fashion certain, conscious. yeah, very, yeah. Very conscious of, I mean, he dressed living color, he put mm-hmm. the clothes on, except for the body glove, Corey did that himself. A little body historical glove. footnote. <laughs> well, uh, let me tell you once again, my name is Mitch Goldman and I um, have the sad duty to bring you this part of this memorial broadcast for Ronald Shannon Jackson a musician, a drummer, a band leader, a composer who will never be matched in this music or anything else. I, 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 I hope I throw the challenge to everyone, every musician to come to bring as much of yourself to what you do as Shannon brought to his music. It's, uh, I was... My jaw dropped the first time I heard it, and it's never quite gotten back into into place ever since then. It's as uh, mystifying and thrilling to me, his music, as anything I've known. And it's, it's as true now as it was the first time I heard it, more so. And he was a great friend and a uh, huge shaping influence on my life and my guests, Eric Person and Roger Kramer. I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, with Shannon being gone, maybe some of these guys that we've been kind of asking, like, where have they, what happened to Yeah, them? people who played with, with Shannon. Shannon at one time or another. Where's Henry Scott? Yeah. Where's Henry Scott? Where's Akbar Ali? Yeah. Where's uh, Rev. Reverend Bruce Johnson? Yeah. Yeah, they've got, uh, they've got stories to tell, musical and otherwise, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Well, um, friend me on Facebook, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or call the station right call now. Call the station right yeah. now. <laughs> um, we're gonna turn things over to another programmer. This program continues until eight twenty tomorrow morning. Ronald Shannon Jackson's music will, I hope, always ring forth from these airwaves. And uh, if I have anything to say about it, they will. And uh, thanks for being along we're for the finish. ride. We're going to finish with Alice in Congo? Sure. That makes me so happy. Roger, why don't you tell, tell us what we're going to hear. Uh, probably still my favorite Decoding Society song for many, many reasons, um, not least of which I think it's the first time Vernon Reed was properly recorded and the solo is spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, this is one of the great moments in the history of Ronald Shannon Jackson and his group, the Decoding Society. And uh, this is from the album Man Dance. If you don't know, I don't know which of this stuff is in print and which isn't. But um, anything you find from Shannon will, will open a door for you if you're not somebody who knows this music. Um, I just was able to buy you uh, um, barbecue dog just the other day, and it was the day before Shannon passed. I, wow. I went into, I was in St. Louis, and I went into uh, Vintage Vinyl, a great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it on iTunes? I don't know. I I'm embarrassed checked. to even say, because I'll have to call someone at Universal if it's not. And say, yes. Let's do it. Oh. Yes. It's not yeah. that hard Should to turn be. that switch. But uh, look out for the stuff he recorded on quite a number of different labels um, in a variety of different countries, and uh, you'll find his stuff if you want to look for it. But um, this album, Man Dance and Barbecue Dog and Decode Yourself, which are on the Antilles label, I think are probably not in print, but yeah. that was uh, a high watermark in certainly in Roger Kramer's working with him. And um, Eric, is there? Do you have a favorite recording that you are part of? Or um, I I, w- I would have to say I have a group, which for me uh, is Decode Yourself. Mm-hmm. When Colors Play and also Texas, mm-hmm. you know, later renamed uh, uh, Talkai. Right, right, but, right. But for me, those are my favorite of the time I was in, in, the, in the group. And then Shannon with Ornette Coleman, Shannon with Cecil Taylor, Shannon with Albert Eiler, Shannon with Charles Tyler. And uh, there's, you know, mm-hmm. Seek and Ye Shall Find. Oh, yeah. So a lot of this stuff is just came out the last few years, I believe. Fellas, thanks for coming, man. Thank you for, Thanks for having us. Yeah, it. it's great. Glad to be We uh, just keep it tuned here, and uh, as Shannon would say, in rhythm. I'm Mitch Goldman. This is. He would say that, wouldn't he? He would say that. Mm-hmm. He'd certainly he'd write it. He would say Every it, yeah. single correspondence. In rhythm. Mm-hmm. In rhythm. Shannon. <laughs>
such a warm welcome. Chicago! Right. From Savannah, Georgia on trumpet and flugelhorn, Mr. Henry Scott. Mr. Henry Scott. Alto, soprano, tenor, and flute. The son of a great composer, Mr. Zane Massey. On From uptown in Holland, USA on bass, the fretless electric bass. He represents the gospel. We call him the Reverend Bruce A. Gibbs. Reverend Bruce A. Gibbs on fretless electric bass. And phenomenal <laughs> Vernon A. Reed on guitar, synthesizer, banjo. We are the Dakota Society. That was the 1980s version of the lovable, fantastic Duke Gellertons. It don't mean a thing if they ain't got that swing with a little A train to push it on. 
Thank you all very much. We're going to continue with a composition called Zane's Fame. Thank <laughs> you. 